So we're going to um, look at John 11, thinking of God moving slowly. God moving slowly. And to start with, I'm going to tell you a story of one time when I, I moved slowly. And it was when Shara and I, we'd um, just bought our first house together in Wellington. And Shara uh, was at work, and, but my brother and I, we thought it'd be a good, da- uh, good idea to cut down almost all the trees in the property while she was at work. So we did that. And Shah came home, she didn't think it was a good idea, and she thought there'd been poor marital communication as well, but that's, that's not the story. The real story is now I had this big pile of branches at the back of my house uh, that I needed to get rid of. At that house in, in Wellington, Titahi Bay, we just lived almost exactly across from the fire station. It was about 50 metres away. And they, uh, they were having a fundraising thing. They were selling incinerators to burn stuff. So um, just bought an incinerator just across the road from us, rolled it back, and had this incinerator. And then uh, next Saturday, started burning all these branches in the incinerator. Just burning, 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 until the uh, fire siren went. And uh, where we are, so they, they still did the old-style fire siren, and then uh, all the volunteer firefighters, they had four, meet, four minutes to get to the fire station. That's what they try and aim for. And so the fire siren went, and all these cars come racing, and um, they put on their uniform, fire protection uniform, and then walked across the road, <laughs> all dressed up to my house, to my incinerator. And I knew the, the captain of the, of the crew, uh, his name was Vairoa. We'd played rugby together a few seasons back. Anyway, he comes over and says, oh, uh, Sorry, Carl, but we're gonna, um, we've, had a, we've had a phone call about all the smoke. I says, uh, uh, come on, Vairo, you guys sold this incinerator to me. He says, oh, yeah, I know, Carl, but, you know, we've had this call, got all the smoke. He says, um, well, if we get another one, we're going to have to put it out. So they, they walked back across to the fire station, they took off all their clothes and went home again. And uh, so I just went into overdrive. I was throwing all my branches into the incinerator. It was roaring with fire, and then the siren went again. So all these guys come rushing around in their bomby old cars back to the fire station, put on their clothes. They walk across, and Enviro says, oh, sorry, Carl, um, you're going to have to add a hose next door to the house. You're going to have to get the hose and put it out. So, really slowly, I walked. I walked over to the side of the house where the tap was, and really slowly I checked that it was on correctly because I didn't want to waste any water, and turned it on, and I unraveled the hose, and then I started really slowly to walk to the incinerator. And Vyro, this, who 
we had been comrades in arms together. We had locked many a scrum together and, and rucks and, and line-outs. And Vairoa, despite all that, he grabs, rudely grabs that hose off me and he extinguishes my fire just because I was being slow. So we're going to look at John chapter 11, verses 1 to 25 to start with. So we'll read that. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Then on, <coughs> then on to uh, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of a dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And Lord, as we um, open up your word today, we ask that you would speak to us from your word. Amen. Verse 6, And Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, even though the... Uh, even though he loved the family, even though he loved Martha, loved Mary, loved Lazarus, even though he, he loved them all, he stayed put two more days. And then he started the journey down, probably from a, a town called Batania, about 150 northeast of Bethany, about four days' uh, walk. So what's that about? He loved the family, but in spite of their distress, Jesus moved very, very, very slowly. Why was that? Maybe Jesus didn't have enough information. Uh, now that's not the reason. Verse 3, the sisters sent word, the one that you love is sick. Maybe Jesus didn't have enough compassion. He didn't like them much. But we read in verse 3, the one you love is sick. Verse uh, 5, Jesus loved them all. And the, the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. Well, maybe Jesus didn't have enough power. And we know that's not true. So why? Why did Jesus... Decide to move slowly. Verse 4 shows us why. It says that he was going to turn this into an occasion where God's glory was going to be revealed. And Jesus is going to do, uh, going to go for something way, way bigger. He was aiming for something that he didn't have enough of. And what is that? And I'm going to tell you that later. But Jesus is going to move things up to a different level, moving from healing to raising of the dead. And uh, healing uh, sick Lazarus would have got applause, would have got a whole heap of likes. And people would have said that Jesus was a great guy and a great healer and a great carer and a a great leader. Uh, But raising the dead Lazarus lifted things way, way higher. And this was not about just fixing Lazarus. This was going to force some decisions. This was decision time that Jesus was after. And raising Lazarus produced a watershed moment in this part of the world at this time. A watershed moment. This is not only uh, one of the seven I am's of Jesus. You know, the I am's where Jesus reveals that he is actually God, that he is divine. It's not only one of the I am's. This is the seventh sign. There are seven signs in John. Uh, And this is the last sign. So there's changing of water into wine. There's a, a sign in John chapter 4. There's a 
sign in John chapter 5, 1 and 6, 2 and 6 actually, and 1 in chapter 9, and then this one, the raising of Lazarus. And the sign here, a sign, a sign points to something. And the sign here is that Jesus wants to do more than just fix. Jesus wants to do more than just fix something. Uh, we came back to New Zealand end of 2009. We came smack bang right into the recession. And um, 2010, I found it for the first time in my life really hard to get a full-time job. And um, I was praying, I was praying, Lord, can you fix this? This is not good. This is not fun. And um, can you fix this? I need more work. And I felt him through, through acting really slowly that actually he, what he was doing, he was doing more than just uh, trying to fix something for me. He wanted to do more. He wanted actually me to decide for him. And uh, I feel he was saying, I want you actually to decide to serve me. And by the way, if you feel like Jesus is moving slowly on your behalf, maybe he's wanting to do something bigger than just fix the situation. And what he wanted to do here, what he wanted to do here is not just uh, fix Lazarus, he wanted to, he wanted people to fixate on Lazarus. Not just fix Lazarus, he wanted people to fixate on Lazarus. And so Jesus decides he was not going to fix a sick Lazarus, he was going to raise a dead Lazarus. And for the Jews, they believed that a person actually took three whole days to die, like uh, another people group. (laughs) Um, And so in the meantime, even though the person was dead, the soul in the Jewish way of thinking back then hung around just to see if there was going to be uh, resuscitation or not. And so Jesus deliberately waited and waited and waited until this Lazarus was dead, like, like seriously dead, like full on dead. Like Jesus, uh, like Lazarus is, he's dead. He's dead. And then Jesus acts. And this is a hugely important incident. This is like a, a hinge moment in the, in the Gospel of John. 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. This is chapter 11. This is last of the seven signs. And the people have, have seen the other six. And now this is the last one. And now they have to decide one way or the other. Very important thing to note in this passage is in verses 33 and 38. And it's translated in most English translations, deeply moved, that Jesus was deeply moved. And many, uh, almost all of the scholars are really frustrated with that English translation because it doesn't actually capture uh, the intensity of the emotion there. Uh, That's not really it. And the original verb is uh, the word uh, embri malmai. And it actually, it doesn't mean very sad or deeply moved. It's, it means like, like bristling or quivering with anger. That's the kind of emotion. It's like, let's just make up an example. Say, um, say you're a wife and you go off to, 
to work in Wellington at a courthouse on a lovely summer's day. And your husband said, he said, I'm just going to trim the trees a little bit. And you come home and all those beautiful trees right around the property, almost all of them are just in a big pile. And, there, and your husband is there with your brother-in-law and you come off the bus and you're kind of like bristling with anger. That's, that's more than, you know, sad. <laughs> And verse 33, Jesus is like outraged. He's, he's outraged. And, uh, and he kind of, and he goes to the tomb and he roars at the tomb. He roars at death. And you know why? Because Jesus helped create life. And the exact opposite of life is what? is death. And here it is, death. And here it is, God. And, and God, in the form of Jesus, yells, deeply moved by death. I was a very good friend, Lazarus, and he roars at it. And he's going to do it again. On the last day, he's going to do it again. Jesus is going to roar at death again. And this is just the first fruit. And he's going to do it again. Because Jesus is God and Lazarus, Lazarus comes out alive and that forced people to make some decisions and everyone becomes fixated on this incident and decisions uh, start to be made. Verse 45 says, many believed in Jesus, many believed in Jesus, but on the other hand, verse 53 some decided to kill him. Chapter 12, some even decided they were going to kill Lazarus. That's how important this is. And deep, intentional, life-changing decisions resulted from the resurrection of Lazarus. And when Jesus uh, starts talking about raising Lazarus, verse 24, Martha, the sister of Lazarus, says, I know my brother will rise at the end of the age. Later he will rise. Matiwa. God will intervene later at the end. But Jesus says, well, actually more than that, not just later, God will intervene now. Now. God is now in name. And the Message Bible says this. It says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. And this is the second to last of the I am's. Here it comes. I am the resurrection, and the life. It's true God is later. God will resurrect later. But also God is now. There's God later, but there's God for now. Resurrection and the, and the life. It's actually, um, it's really easy to get the mix wrong, eh? The combination wrong. And try and force God into moving or say that he's moving when actually he's not on one hand, or on the other hand, uh, to be blissfully unaware or blasé about God's involvement in our world and in our lives. And what the theologians call it is on one hand it's called uh, over-realized eschatology, if you want to throw that in one of your parties one time. It's, um, it's, it's having uh, it's God 
way more involved than actually he is, or saying that he's, he's really involved, you know, God did this or God did that. Actually, it just happened. Or the other hand is underrealized eschatology, of leaving God out of it, of saying, um, of, of not seeing God involved in your life or in your world. Now, the classic uh, example of overrealized eschatology is this Appalachian cult, really. It's called the Church of God with Signs. And part of their worship is that they get uh, deadly snakes in the worship and they handle them. And also they drink poison and they also play with fire. And occasionally they even put their fingers into electrical sockets. Uh, using Mark 16 as their text proof because they say God is alive and active. But that's over-realized eschatology. On the other hand, on the other side, it's really easy to undercook God's involvement in our lives and we just neglect to pray for God's intervention in our, in our housing needs, in our health needs, and that, you know, to do with our kids and school and spouses and jobs and whatever. And the truth is, truth is, Jesus is both. Jesus is God for now and God for later. He is, he is, uh, the life and the resurrection. He's the resurrection and the life. And our decision for or against God is more likely to be a, a continuum than a dramatic change. You know, it's kind of unlikely that a person will be fully opposed to God in their life, neglectful of God in their life, and then fully into God in the next. It's kind of unlikely. Occasionally, it does happen. Occasionally, there's that last-minute dramatic change. For instance, the thief on the cross, right at the last moment, he changed. Uh, but most likely it's going to be a continuation of this present life. If you really love God now, you're going to love God later. If you're not interested in God now, why, for goodness sake, would you be interested in God later on? It's like, uh, it's like two guys, they're friends, going up for a parachute jump. One was a very experienced parachute jumper. Other was his very first time. He's quite nervous. His buddy said, it's all right, I've done this many times, I'm going to help you right through it. He says, this is what we're going to do, go up 5K, jump out, I'm going to pull my parachute first, I'm going to let you just really enjoy the jump, and I'll just tell you at the exact right time for you to jump. So they both go up, jump out. The experienced guy pulls his chute, and the inexperienced guy says, do I pull mine now? No, no, wait, enjoy the jump. Comes down, down to four. How about now? Do I pull my chute? No, 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 just wait. Enjoy the jump. Comes down. Three, two, one. How about now? No, no, enjoy the jump. Still got time. Gets down, down to 500 meters. Do I pull my parachute now? No, no, no. You're okay. Gets down. 100, 90, 70, 10 minutes now. Now you're close enough. You can just jump from there. You know, it's unlikely for a dramatic change right at the last moment. What we desire in God, what we have in God now, 
most likely we will take that through into the afterlife. Tera taha te arai, the other side of the veil. Do we love God now? Do we have God involved in our lives now? Do we want God involved in our, our lives now? You know, God, uh, Jesus said, I've come to bring you life in all its fullness. I've come to bring you life in all its fullness. Not just death in all its fullness, but life as well. Resurrection and the life. And Martha, you and your sister will have God later, Jesus says, at the time of the resurrection, but you can have God now too. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is God for now and God for later on. And we need to decide for both of those. Both of those. Resurrection and the life. You know, and, and, and the spirit of Jesus would love to be involved in your life even now. Let's, let's have a time of just silence. Let the Spirit of Jesus speak to you. And if you need to say yes to Jesus for now, for now, uh, say that in your spirit now. Thank you, Jesus. You are the resurrection and the life. And thank you for the sign that on the last day you will uh, roar at death again. And those that love you will come with you, will be with you forever. We look forward to that day. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. You love to be involved in our lives even now, and in our world even now. Help us in that, we pray. Mm. Amen.